Let's see if I can get this down first try. Hello everyone, and welcome to the RPG edition of Survive This Crit, where Kylie, Dr. Wetmore, and I will be playing Call of Cthulhu this time around to see whether or not Kylie and I can survive the horrors that await us. Also, I just want to say welcome to our Spooktacular series, as uh, this episode will be released right around the Halloween time. So thank you all for listening. And uh, don't forget, subscribe or like our videos or wherever you're listening to for your podcasts. So yeah, let's uh, let's get right in. Uh, so who is playing with us today? Who are these characters? Hello, everybody. I am Lorraine. I am a very controversial journalist who was born in old Hollywood, but I live in DC because you know where that is, all where the news is. You got to follow the story, right? Sure. And, and I am Professor Nicholas DePinto, age 28, so mostly academic background, very little industry background, which uh, matters a lot when you're an engineer. But I grew up in California, and then I moved to London uh, to for university. And uh, before that, I was a street fighter. That's Yay. so cool. <laughs> and for those of uh, you in the audience, we are playing first edition Call of Cthulhu here, the original box set. And what I am offering up is a modified version of a scenario contained in their companion, the, uh, this isn't the Keeper's Companion, this is the Cthulhu Companion. And I, Kevin, am your Keeper of Arcane Knowledge, or the Keeper for short. So today we are going to hire Lorraine and Nicholas. You both receive a message on the evening of Thursday, June 10th, requesting that you come to breakfast at the home of a Carl Cabot Walsingham IV in Washington. Ooh. The invitation makes clear that you will show up. Mm. You don't get a choice. When you arrive, Carl Cabot Walsingdon, rich, confidential, portly gentleman, well-dressed in a suit, no sweat whatsoever. He's clearly a man who is used to things. He says, oh, I know you don't know either of you. Neither of you know me. But your names have been given to me by an associate as people who can be trusted to, shall we say, carry out an investigation with no questions asked. Mm. For those of you who are not familiar, I am the Undersecretary of State here in America. Uh, well, I've heard of you. I'm an undersecretary in the State Department, and I have a problem. Roger Whitaker, a respected member of the legal staff in the State Department, an expert on tariffs, by the way, has gone missing. He and his 17-year-old daughter went out to the Water Gap in rural Maryland. They like to go hiking in the woods. He's been widowed for more than a decade, and he and his daughter, Edith, would frequently take nature walks throughout the Shenandoah Valley. As I'm sure you know, the Whitaker family is an old and respected one. Roger's father served in state before he did. I'm sad to tell you that his body was found yesterday mm. in a river. Mm. His disappearance and, well, no one knows yet about his body being found, but I believe, Lorraine, Miss, I'm afraid I don't know your last name. You wrote one of the articles about his suspicious disappearance, asking if it was a Bolshevik plot. If there are some communists lurking behind the attempt to kidnap people from the State Department, you must defeat them at every turn, as you both know. Yes, so, absolutely. While it is sad, we at least have Roger's body. However, his daughter Edith, or is supposed to have attended Bryn Mawr in this autumn, 
and whose life was shattered, of course, by the death of her mother 10 years ago. That's why she's so close to her father, even at the age of 17. She is still missing. Now, this other gentleman here, and you notice sitting in the corner of the office, is a bookish, polished man. This is Huntington Dare. Excuse me, Dr. Huntington Dare. Uh, he's red-haired, smooth-shaven, well-dressed, good-looking, easy on the eyes, if you will. Hmm. Mm. Dr. Dare. Lorraine is single. <laughs> Can you tell them about what you told me? And Dare looks at you suspiciously, clears his throat, and says, I traveled to Highmark yesterday afternoon to witness the autopsy of the discovered body of Roger Whitaker. The findings were difficult, because once a body has been immersed in water for several days, it is hard to tell. However, it is my suspicion that Whitaker was slain. And Walsingham immediately jumps right in and says, that's the problem. The local sheriff says he drowned. He fell in the water and drowned. And any uh, any cuts and carving in the body, any injuries to the body are all post-mortem. And Dare clears his throat and takes out a pipe. And lighting it says, yes, but that's not true. There is blood in the tissue just beyond the edges of the wounds. And in fact, the wounds looked like they were caused by some kind of wild animal. Claw marks or teeth marks. The problem is the edges of the wounds are not precise and have apparently been nibbled at by fishes and other things in the water, perhaps also caught on branches. So I cannot add much of substance except my casual observation. The coroner and the sheriff are both competent. However, I don't think the, that, that they're right here. I believe the killer must be some kind of unusual dog, perhaps a mastiff or a large breed. Mm. So, Interesting. Walsingham says, thank you, dear. Well, Nicholas, Lorraine, you up for a little adventure? Oh, absolutely. Always. I've Good, got my always. notepad ready. Let's go. Ms. Lorraine, I trust anything you learn will run by me before you run in that rag you call a paper. Well, since you did call it a rag, I guess I can agree to your terms for this adventure. Thank you. All right. Here's what I'm going to request. Money will be wired to your account to cover your expenses. I'm going to suggest that you take Dr. Dare with you. If you'd like, I can also lend my manservant Clive. Oh, Clive! And enters Clive, who is uh, six foot tall. He is dressed in a suit. His face is round and genial, but he is clearly a strong, quiet man. Clive here will be happy to get you out there and handle any arrangements. I can live without him for a day or two, can't I, Clive? As you say, says Clive. Now, you mm. don't need to take either of them. You can take both or you can just take one. But I need this solved by Monday morning. It is Friday morning. I need information to take to the press and to the president on Monday. Uh, I, I pull Nick Nicholas aside. Do Nicholas and I have a previous relationship? Do we know each other? You tell me. You're the characters. I've written about him. So I, I ah. admire his engineering works and his, what he teaches. So I pull him aside and say, you know, I've written a lot about you. You're you're quite good with the books, and I've heard you're a pretty scrappy street fighter, but mm. Dr. You, Dare and Clive, out of the two, who do you think we should take? I don't think I want both of them because they have too much of the same information, and I don't want our findings getting convoluted by what they want to share with their press. Well, if I had to pick, I'd probably go with Dr. Dare. Me too. 
Let's, yeah. We're going to, I'll say, Clive, he, you know what? You're very handsome and maybe we can go for a drink once I'm back in town, but I think we are going to take Dr. Dare. As you say. All right. Hmm. It's decided, says Walsingham. I need to get over to the State Department. You have two hours to pack your bags and prepare. Clive's not going with you, but he will pick you up, take you to the train station. It will be approximately a two-hour journey after that to get out to Highmark, where they were uh, staying until they disappeared. Clive uh, will pick you up and will tend to all your mundane needs of the journey. After that, I'm afraid the two of you are on your own. Good luck. I expect to see you before Monday morning. You head home. You each pack an overnight bag. Lorraine grabbing her shotgun, apparently. Uh, I gotta be prepared. I'm traveling with a doctor I don't know and an engineer that's really a scrappy street fighter. I gotta be ready in case one hey, of them turns you know. on me. <laughs> Speaking you know of me. scrappy street fighter, do you have any, uh, are you bringing any weapons, brass knuckles, a knife, a broken bottle that you just carry around just in case? I like the idea of brass knuckles. Let's go with that. All right. So you grab your old brass knuckles from your street fighting days. Mm. Yes, indeed. Those go in the bag or in a pocket? I'll keep them in a pocket at all times, you know. Gotta be ready. <laughs> now, one question for you, Ms. Lorraine. What kind of shotgun? Because that's not easily disguised. That's true. Is it possible the way I... If I pack a long enough bag and I kind of take out apart the gun and kind of put in the pieces, I think that's what is the best way to do this. Which okay. means if I have to use it, it's going to take a few minutes to put it together. But even though I'm from old Hollywood, I was very poor. And my, my papa taught me how to shot shoot at a young age. So all right, well, so twang's coming out. Ever so slightly more salacious. It's incredibly illegal, but she has a sawn-off shotgun. Mm. It's light, slightly less effective at distance, but it's easily concealed under a trench coat. If it's a double barrel armed with buckshot, uh you know pulling out the shotgun if there's something like within 10 to 20 feet of you it'll you know make it into a nice splatter pattern on the wall but if you are caught with it by law enforcement that might be time in prison too so be very careful who you share that with oh i will i'm not going to tell anybody <laughs> so again unlike uh unlike a lot of role-playing games that are based in combat you try very hard not to have to fight here but i chose this scenario particularly because we're gonna have to fight anyway <laughs> okay Clive, the manservant, picks you both up at your respective apartments in D.C. Dr. Huntington Dare is already in the car. He's got his doctor's bag and a small overnight duffel with him. He's quiet but friendly. And Clive drops the three of you off at uh, the Central Train Station in Washington. He gives you first-class tickets oh. to, right, to Highmark. As the hours pass, the train leaves behind the beautiful fields, winds into Sterner Bluffs and Mountains of Appalachia, Dr. Dare describes the terrain and tells you about the history of Appalachia. Rolling hills broken by abrupt cliffs and heights, gentle looming rivers, fresh streams, thick hardwood growth. He talks about the farms were settled centuries ago, but now they are decaying. They are falling apart. A lot of men left during the Great War and did not come back. Families heading up to the big cities to try and get more, to try and make money. The people who div do live in these rural areas are not used to strangers. They will not be very friendly. Even the coroner and the sheriff who are presumably educated still, you know, treated me as an outsider and were suspicious. So hmm. as the train continues on on this warm June day, leaving Washington, heading into 
the Appalachians, everyone gets tired and sleepy and your butts start to hurt. Because this is not, you know, a super modern friendly train. This is a train from that period. So at 12.36, four and a half hours after you met with Undersecretary Walsingham, you pull into Highmark. We made it. You mm -hmm. made it. It is a small, sleepy, rural, West Virginia slash Maryland country town. You're not even quite sure what state you're in, but you're in the Appalachians. There's no pavement. When you step out in the train station, everything in the station is made of wood. It's clear it's been a while since anything's been painted or repaired. The locals are walking around the town hall and jail. Right across the street from the train station are a one-story, one-wood-frame building. There's an area of brick. You can tell, or Dare says, those are the jail cells. Huh. So the jail cells are made of brick, but the rest of the town hall and the sheriff's office are made of wood. He said, we carried out the autopsy in one of those jail cells. So the sheriff may be a place where we want to visit. He points out there are two towns in store. There's the immigrant store. That's where the poor uh, people who moved here within the last 20 years have to shop. Folks who have been here for a while shop at what they call the good store further down the street, which looks a little larger and a little nicer. You also notice several churches in the center of town, including one with a big new brick face, a steeple. Dr. Dare says that is the new Presbyterian church. They will tell you all about it. With the new church, I'm, I'm curious to know... This town obviously doesn't have a lot of money. So does the money lie within the people that run these churches then? That's something I'm asking Dr. Dare based on his observations. From what I know, a lot of people in town work at the mines about three miles further west. So there are a lot of Eastern European immigrants and then older German and Irish and Scotch and English farmers. Although some of those families also uh, farm. The older farming families shop at the good store, the immigrant stores for the folks from Eastern Europe and Italy. So you got a couple different ethnic groups here in town. Okay. Uh, now, I, I think it's the old folks who pooled their money after a couple good harvests to pay for the new Presbyterian church to be built. But they got Baptist, they got Catholic, they got Lutheran. I think there's even a Methodist one somewhere in back. So before we, we journey off, Remind me again. So, Dr. Dare, what, did you state what his relationship was with the Whitakers before? No, I am a friend and personal physician to Undersecretary Walsingham. I am a friend of his. He asked me to attend the autopsy on Thursday, so I went. But you had no previous relationship with them at all? Well, I also knew the, uh, the Whitaker family. I'm doctor to a number of the people at the State Department. And uh, I certainly knew, you know, by face, Roger and uh, Edith, uh, they attended a number of functions. While we're asking these questions, would it be possible for me to use, I have some skill in psychology. Could I use that to analyze anything interesting, like discover anything interesting about Dr. Dare? How do you want to analyze him? What questions do you wish to ask? I, I want to ask him, what was the last thing he was doing before Mr. Whitaker disappeared? And what's your psychology score? 50. Cool. All right. Dare says, before I left, well, I split my time between Washington, actually this area. I've spent several months in the general area over the past 10 years because I like hunting deer and pheasant. In fact, that's why I recommended it to Whitaker in the first place, that this is a nice environment, safe, that he could come out and explore, go for lots of long walks. That's also why I know a little bit about the town. I've, I've been here before which is also perhaps why the family asked that I come out on their behalf and why Walsingham asked I come out on his behalf uh, to see what happened to Roger and see if we couldn't find Edith. However, as someone with, shall we say, connections to the government, 
it would not be seemly for me to carry out an investigation. I am simply here to advise you. I will say this as a man of science, the ignorance of the local population makes me profoundly sad. They are a superstitious lot. And they also tend to fear learning, and they tend to fear knowledge that they don't understand. Mm. Having said that, however, I think the local coroner, a man whom I respect, is completely wrong when he says this was a drowning death followed by the body being brutalized in the water. It is my belief that something killed him. Mm. Well, I lean in a little bit closer to him, and I just ask him, any thought as to what it might have been that killed him? What's your I opinion? have no idea. Mm, okay well then uh, i'm gonna add on to that so psychologically analyzing him okay with score 50 as well yeah you said you're fairly familiar with the area and back when we were in dc you mentioned it could have been a large dog but you would be fairly familiar with the types of beast that roam around here both predator and prey can mm-hmm. you give me a list of what has been seen here well certainly this area has bears i'm sure it has feral dogs I don't believe there have been wolves here for over a couple hundred years. They were killed off fairly early when the settlers came. I have absolutely no proof, but to be brutally honest, I know nothing which could actually match the bites and claw marks that killed Whitaker. As a man of science, I, I don't understand what might have possibly killed him, and I don't know what could have. There are no animals in this area. As I said, I come here hunting deer and pheasants. Sometimes deer are brought down by feral dogs. I know of no dog this big. Hmm. However, right. again, as as a doctor speaking professional to professional, I've done some unusual reading in the occult library of a friend, and I do not wish to state anything about what might have caused it. Can See. I use persuasion to try to get him to state what may have caused it? My persuasion score is 70. 70? And he says, young lady, you're quite lovely and attractive. However, This old man has been sweet-talked by more than one person such as yourself. I shall keep my counsel to myself, if you please. I don't please, but let's... (laughs) I lean over to Lorraine. I say, I think we're... I think we can rule out Dr. Dare here for now. What's more important is that we check out the body and see it for ourselves. I think then we can get a better idea of where to go from here. All right. Well, let's go over to the sheriff's station then. I also am curious to check out the church eventually because if it's a very superstitious group of people, mm-hmm. I'm curious where their superstitions lie, mm-hmm. especially Excellent. in an old town like this. There's probably a lot of folklore. So let's go because Dr. Terror is not telling us everything we need. He knows something we don't know and we can't fully trust him. We're going to use enough. him for his connections, but... The second that he tries to lead us astray, we're gonna we're gonna drop him. Understood. So you're standing in the train station. Dare has pointed all this to you. Where do you want to go? Let's go to the sheriff's station. We want to see the body. And Dare says, before we set out carrying all of our luggage, Clive arranged for us to stay at Mrs. McNulty's lodge, which is a rooming house down the street. Do you want to check in first, or let's check in privately so I can unload my gun and put it in my jacket, but. <laughs> Yes, let's let's check in and drop off our bags. I could I could freshen up as the beautiful lady that I am. Lovely. As you begin to leave the train station, you notice two rather dirty and disreputable looking men. One of them comes over, hat removes his hat, holds it in his hand, and says, "Oh, uh, uh, God, need ah, uh, can you spare a nickel so 
I haven't eaten for two days. I just, I just need to, something to eat. Can you, can you spare anything, really? And he holds out his hand and looks down, sad. Were we given per diem? Yes, you have money on you. <laughs> I will okay. say, I will give you two nickels if I can ask you some questions. Oh, 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 yes. Thank you. Thank you. God bless you. And he takes your hand and begins kissing it. And he's kind of. I, I pull, I gently pull my hand away. Station and... master comes over saying, all right, all right. Poor Jack here lost most of his senses fighting in the Great War. He was a good man before he went. Thank you for giving him money. If you have any tobacco, that might also go a long way with him. Just then the other beggar comes running over and says, hey, you got to give me whatever you gave him. That's only fair. Well, then I get to question you too. Jack and what's the other guy's name? Name's Jocko, lady. Jack and Jocko. Nick, you talk to Jocko. I'm going to talk to Jack. He's, Jack seems a little more tamed. And the station manager says, get out of here, Jocko. You're good for nothing. I told you to stay off the railway property. At least this one fought in the Great War. You've been nothing but scum since you were born. And Jocko then kicks the station master's spotted hound that's lying by the door <gasps> and says, you know, starts saying a whole bunch of old-timey curses and says, look, the revolution's not far off, and I'm going to remember who stood for the people and who didn't. The power of the people is unstoppable, and I'm going to remember your two faces. You bet I will. We just want to talk to you, Jocko. <laughs> uh, and Jocko spits and storms away angrily, and Jack is just standing there looking scared, hoping nobody notices him. Jocko's left. Jack is still standing there, like, cradling the nickels, going, Jack's a good boy. Jack's a good boy. Jack doesn't hurt anyone. Jack's a good boy. Oh, interesting. Uh, Jack, I'm sure you've heard the recent news that there was um, a body found. Have you ever found anything strange when you've been in the woods in this area? Oh, a lot of strange things in the woods. A lot of strange things in the woods. Oh, yeah. A lot of strange things in the woods. Jack's seen a lot of bodies. Jack fought in the war. Jack Jack knows a lot of things. Jack, have you seen a beast? An animal? What's the largest animal you've seen? Jocko's here? a beast. Jocko's a beast. Jocko beats me and takes my money. He takes the money people give me. Jack doesn't get to eat, but Jocko eats. Well, Jack, do you want to stay at the inn with us? I, I pull Lorraine aside and I go, I'm not sure that's the best idea. Yeah, the Clearly. station master says, you know, Jack is able to get enough money from the people who stop in and take pity on him. Jack, why don't you go back to your seat? Why don't you go pet pet my smell hound? Uh, you know, his he's probably got sore ribs from Jocko's kick. Remind me to give Jocko a kick the next time I see him. Oh, you're going to kick Jocko, going to kick Jocko. Jocko won't like that. And Jack wanders away muttering. And the station master Gives a curt nod and walks away. It was interesting that he referred to Jocko as a beast. He could have just said that as a bully, but there could be something more there. I don't think we should rule out Jocko or Jack because who knows? This could be human. Could be. Could be. Depends, Lorraine. How much do you believe in the mythical, well, in the mythical realm? Well, I am a pretty logical journalist, but I'm always up to listen. I have a very high listening score. So I'm always, actually, I have an occult score too. I forgot about that. Yes. So I am up for hearing and understanding a little bit of the occult. It's 20%. So I'm, I'm just, <laughs> I'm more of a learner, if anything. Well, as a professor, I typically, and a man of science, I typically prefer to lean on the side of logic and evidence. Um, <sighs> And so 
I, with my background, both in engineering, but also in psychology and also in some of the occult, although only what I've read in books, I think this is a typical case of uh, this, this man is clearly delirious. And I don't think that we have to, we should definitely keep our eyes out for Jocko, but I don't think he's the one necessarily that is the cause for um, you know, Mr. Whitaker's death. And we should probably prioritize that since that is our main goal. All right. I will prioritize that. We will drop our stuff off and head to the sheriff's station, but I'm not going to forget about Jocko, especially because he kicked that dog. I'm going to have to kick him with my high heels next time I see him. So we head down the dusty street to the rambling three-story house that the station master indicated was Mrs. McNulty's lodge. Uh, you walk up and knock on the door, and an elderly woman, hair up in a bun and a house coat, opens the door and says, What do you want? Oh, oh, city folk. Are you the city folk that have the rooms then? Yes, we are. Thank you so much for hosting oh, us. Come in, come in. Can I get you a glass of water? Yes, actually, I would appreciate that. Thank you. I don't have any of that other stuff. You know, what with the temperance and all, we mm. keep a good, clean house here. None of that drinking stuff for us here. So, the man from Washington, I think he said his name was Klein. He rented a room for the three of you. Are Which one of these two are you married to, dearie? I am married to Nicholas here. We are going on a long three years. That's odd, because Klein said you wanted three rooms. But I can't imagine a woman unaccompanied, an unaccompanied woman traveling with two gentlemen that she's not married to. Well, we wanted an extra room for our evidence and our findings. Evidence and findings. Oh, you're you're some sort of police folk then. No, not police. Just uh, adventurers. Oh. We were brought on to uh, to advise on a recent case that's uh, popped up. Oh, very exciting! Very exciting. All right, the three rooms on the second floor. There are the three in front. There's a water closet in the back of the house. No smoking allowed. Visitors in the parlor only. All right, only yourselves up allowed in the room. No cursing or spitting at the table. And yes, I don't ma'am. have a telephone, city folk. I don't have any of these fancy newfangled devices. Don't have mm-hmm. a wireless. Around here, we read the good book and we sit by the fire. So your rooms are upstairs. Breakfast is at 7, supper at 6 p.m. sharp. I wait for no one. I lock the doors at 9 p.m. There's no need to ever be out later than that. 11 p.m. on Saturday. And I understand you're leaving Monday morning. Those are the rules. We all live by them. Yes, if you ma'am. Don't, uh, if you don't break them, we won't have any trouble. But you're all clearly folks, lady and gentlemen's of taste and knowledge and learning, and certainly we could use that around here, what with the doings and goings on. I go up to Mr. McNulty and say, thank you, dear, and God bless you. Oh, bless your heart. You're a good, righteous young man. We need more of that around here. Some of the kids in this town. Oh, the stories I could tell. I would love to hear your stories. Speak of the devil, she says, and immediately opens the front door and runs out on the porch. I see the two of you. Get out of here. And you hear angry barking dogs and lewd curses from what sound like teen girls. Huh. Get out of here. Stop stop that caterwauling or I'll go get the sheriff. Um, when she comes back inside, I, I ask, well, who were those lewd girls so we know how to avoid them around town? Uh, it's hard to avoid them. Those are the Pelton girls. They were throwing rocks at at dogs. Oh, the two of them, they're identical twins. You can't tell which is which, and they're rude. They come out, 
and they do things. They're always making trouble. The kind of we would be better off without them. It's good to know. Hmm. So we head up to our rooms then to unpack. Mm-hmm. Okay. As we enter the rooms, Kylie, are we entering to the same room or are you? No, we're definitely not entering to the same room. Perfect. Okay. I take the equipment room as my room, uh, where I can privately go ahead and load my shotgun and stick it in my jacket. Okay. Perfect. Okay. How do you justify wearing an overcoat in June? Oh, it is June, isn't it? Yeah. I will say I'm I'm recovering from a cold. Oh, what the, what will these medical people think of next? Okay, you're recovering from a cold, so you're wearing a heavy overcoat in June. I would have just, just said cold. you're you're anemic, so you know you're just naturally cold. Oh, that would have been way better. All right. Well, I, I'll just cough and sniffle a little, as long as people don't think it's something serious. All right. So we can head back out toward the. Uh, sheriff station after we're all ready to go. Mm-hmm. Nicholas, right. uh, um, as we're headed downstairs, I grabbed Nicholas by the hand. I was like, "We need to, we need to look like we're together when we're in this hotel." Offer Lorraine my arm, and I go, "All right then, follow my lead." And right. so we follow Doctor Dare to the sheriff station. Along the way, I asked Doctor Dare about it was Clyde or was a client. Clive. Clive, Clive. my she bad. She was mispronouncing the name. Okay. She's all uh, hard I, hearing and gets things confused easily. I see, I see. Okay, so I ask I ask him about Clive. I go, so Clive set this all up, this room and everything, uh, the, the lodging for us, correct? Yes. Uh, tell me, what? how much do you know about Clive? What is his relationship like with Mr. Whitaker? Or what was his relationship like with the Whitakers? Didn't really have a formal relationship with them. He's the manservant to uh, Undersecretary Walsingham. He is efficient, a model of discretion. He, uh, you just saw what he did. He, he handles the funds. I mean, speaking in confidence, if truth told, he's actually much more capable than his boss, whose talent was to be born with money and to a position of privilege and power. Clive, on the other hand, is an exquisite person. He arranged from a distance at great, uh, with great effort and short notice First-class train tickets and our hotel rooms. Mm. Everything has been set up for us. Clive has sort of paved the way for us to come to town. Dr. Dare, what is your personal relationship with Clive? I've had a mad crush on him for years. No. Uh, (laughs) I think I admire him for being the diligent and discreet manservant that he is. He's exactly what a gentleman's gentleman should be, especially in a town like Washington, where everybody talks Everybody listens, and nothing and no one is safe. Let me tell you, I'd rather be investigating a weird disappearance out here in the rural areas than spend a single night at a State Department dinner. Those people are crazy. (laughs) Fair enough. All right. As you are walking towards the sheriff's station, Nicholas is suddenly struck in the shoulder by a rock. Ah! What was that? And you all turn to look. There are two girls wearing shabby calico dresses, bare legs, stringy, dirty hair. They have rocks in their hands, and one throws another, missing you. Can I try to persuade them? To do what? To stop throwing rocks at us? Sure. Throw your percentile die. Okay. 78. And my um, regular score is 70. Oh, they throw a rock and strike you in the stomach. 
shoot. And they start laughing and talking. Finally, Man, I thought rolling high was good in this game. No, I actually got to roll low. You got to no. roll your score lower. That's right. Yep. Okay. No, I know. So that's why you tried to persuade and and you missed. So one of the Pelton girls, then I rolled her percentile for rock throwing and she hit you in the stomach with a rock. It hurts. But just then, these dogs start barking again, and this man coming down the street says, you two get the heck out of here. Go back to your farm. No one wants you in town. I'm going to tell your pappy what you're doing. And they're like, sod off, old man. Nobody cares what you think. And he starts approaching them with a cane, and they run away. And he turns, tips his hat, and says, sorry, the Peltons are always a bit. And those two, don't get me started. Uh, thank you, sir. Uh May we ask uh, who was kind enough to get these girls away? What, what's your name? I was. Oh, what's my name? Uh, Sam Johnson. Sam Johnson. And you you said he's an older man. Uh, yes, how long older. have you been living in this area? Well, my whole life, haven't I? All right. That's good Don't to know. Don't let those girls drive you away or tell you anything bad about the town. Well, so, what's kept you in the town? Well, I live here, don't I? Where are you two from? We're just visitors. Uh, we're, we're from out of from, state. Yeah, At least I'm, I'm, well, I'm from England. You don't sound English, friend. Oh, I actually grew up in California. I moved I moved there for university. And Dare says, we've just come from Washington, D.C. Can we help you with anything? Oh, no, just, you know, it's not often strangers come to town. We tend to notice these things. Well, thank you for being kind about it. We prefer mm -hmm. your greeting over the rocks any day. What what do you know about those uh, little girls? It's not the uh, first time we've already noticed them since our short time of being in here. And everyone seems to uh, have a distaste for them. Well, of course. Little scalawags, little scoundrels, brazen hussies they are. Two twin teenagers. I don't know how old they are. Pelton girls. The Peltons are always making trouble. Them and their old man and the others out at the farm. They come into town. They throw rocks at people. They curse people out. No manners, those two. They don't come to school. Their dad keeps them out there and teaches stuff. When they come to town, it's best just tell them to leave and show them your fist. Threaten to kick them, shake your cane at them, just drive them away. Mm. They're always making trouble, and it's best if they leave. Who's their father? Old man Pelton. And has he think? been here as Which long as you have? Which one is he? He's... <coughs> I think he's Rafer, and the daughters are J.L. and Deborah. I can't remember if Rafer's the father or the son. Then there's uh, the other Pelton, Asher. Asher? Was, is Asher Rafer's father or is Rafer Asher's father? Ah, they're all out there up on the bluffs. Out mm. past Old Man's Bluff. They live far. Uh, they live far to the north of town. The girls come in just to cause trouble. They don't buy anything. They don't do anything. They certainly don't go to any of the churches. And I assume you're a member of one of the churches here. I attend that fine, fine church right there. And he points at the New Presbyterian Church. Oh, yes. I was noticing how beautifully it was done. I, I do have to ask, though, since you know we're here for an investigation based on the recent findings, have you ever oh, seen a large You hear about that man's death? Yes. Yes, sir. Yes. Terrible tragedy. Terrible tragedy. Oh, I remember they got off the early train that morning and they strolled up the road towards Old Man Bluff out by where the Peltons live. And then mm. uh, they found him floating yesterday. So sad. Strange. I don't know where the girl is. Did she go back to uh, wherever it is they're from? No, she's actually missing. Oh, pretty little thing. What a shame. I think uh, Mr. Johnson for his time. And I kind of 
nudge Lorraine and say, let's, uh, let's continue on our investigation, shall we? All right. I pull Nicholas aside and I briefly tell him, as soon as we're done at um, the sheriff's office, I honestly think we should make Old Man's Bluff a priority. And if we Probably. need to go there before dark. So if I we agree. go to Old Man's Bluff first, we could come back to the sheriff's office. I agree. I say, let's uh, let's track the timeline here. So so what time uh, of day is it right now? Could we do both in one day or do we need to yeah, go to right one? Right now it is about 2 p.m., between 2 and 3 p.m. It's what June, so thing? we have extended hours. Back, he says, you know who you should talk to if you're looking into stuff? Bob Everett, the high school principal, is a journalist. I mean, he's the high school principal, but he also writes local stories for those Washington papers. There's a doctor that I got to go see, but uh, you should talk to Bob Everett. Okay, right, where would mind. we find Bob Everett? Well, ordinarily, you'd find him at the high school or at his home. But, but he's actually Friday not afternoon. in town. Now that I'm thinking about it, he's he's in Hagerstown. His mother's really ill. And he left okay. about a week ago. That's All very right. convenient. So he's out of town. It's convenient that his mother's ill? No, no. Uh, I'm I'm sorry. I'm just, I'm getting over this cold here. I'm, I apologize. I am a little under the weather myself. Let's go ahead to Old Man's Bluff. <laughs> Thank you, sir, for your time. Thank you so much, Sam Johnson. All right. And as you're walking then towards, uh, in the direction of Old Man's Bluff that everyone's pointed you towards, Jack comes running back over again. He greets you elaborately. Hello. Hello, friends. Oh, oh, Robin's here. Robin. And yes, the man, the Mark, the man, Mark man, Mark, Mark and Robin. Hello. Thank you. Thank you. Jack has eaten because of you. And then he starts to giggle and howl like a dog over and over. And then he races ahead of you and then sits down and says, I can't go any further. I don't know where I'm going. Jack, would you like to come with us? The 325 will be pulling in soon and Jack sometimes gets a nickel for food. I'll then give Jocko you another it. nickel. I can't go further. I'm lost. Well, if you stay with us, you won't be lost. No, no, no. I will be lost. I can't go further. Can't go further. Can't go to the bluffs. Hmm. I lean over towards Lorraine and I, I just kind of like well, I, I pull her again aside and I go, well, what are you trying to accomplish here with, with Jack? Jack knows something. There's something that's physically keeping him from going out there. I can mm. tell by his body language, like he, he knows this area better than he's leading on, whether it's because he's somewhat insane or not, but there, he recognizes that he's not supposed to be out there, but he's Jack's saying it's be because- like Tommy Roberts. Jack's not going to be like Tommy Roberts at all. Who's Tommy, Tommy Jack? You know Tommy. Jack's not going to be like Tommy. Jack's a good dog. And just then Jocko comes up to you guys, gets right in between you and Jack and says, I know why you're here. I know why you're here. You're here. You're here to find out what happened to that guy and that kid. Yeah, do you know? You should go up to the water gap. You should go to the gorge. Things get caught in the shallows. <laughs> Check in the shallows in the gorge. And then he turns around, walks over to a nearby house and begins to urinate on the wall. Then right. turns around, spits at you and walks away and Jack follows him. All right. Well, I guess we're not going to have Jack to help us out. So I think we should keep heading toward these bluffs. Keep an eye out um, for Tommy and check out the, the shallows as well. And while we're up Dr. Here. Dare says, weren't we going to visit the sheriff's office? Change of plans, yeah, doctor. Change of plans, doctor. You All can right. roll with us or not, but we're we're here to investigate. So where are we going? We're headed up to the uh, the old man's bluff. 
because that's where they were last seen right. alive. And then we're going to head over to the gorge as well. So that the water gap shallows and gorge. So that way we can see if there's anything there. Because Jocko may be crazy. But usually the crazy can see something the rest of us can't. Mm -hmm. So you follow the train tracks and the, the stream that run alongside them up along the bluffs after walking about a mile you encounter a large number of people standing by the pools and banks under a bridge. The river is getting bigger and bigger, and you find that it's dirty, drainage from the local mines, most likely. Oh. Okay. It's, it's poo water? No, it's from the mines. So it's, oh, it's, okay. Uh, drainage, that type of drainage. Okay, that makes yeah. more sense. So are these people miners, or can we, can we tell what they are? Just people chilling uh, in the water? They There are a number of men, some of whom have shotguns on their backs, but most of them have ropes with grappling hooks on them, and they're throwing them out in the water and pulling them in. You notice that standing among them is a guy in some kind of sheriff's uniform. See, Dr. Dare, it's a good thing we came here after all. We found the sheriff. So what do you do? I want to know what the men with ropes and grappling hooks are doing, but... You said they I were pulling in something. Can we tell what they're pulling in? Yeah. You no, know, they're just throwing them out and then dragging them in. Sometimes they they find a branch which they throw behind them, but for the most part, they're throwing them in the water. Okay, let's approach the sheriff since we are about to see him anyways. Nicholas, and... you approach the sheriff. I'm going to approach one of the townspeople. I think it's best if we try to get information from different people at this point. Okay. Okay. Doctor Dare goes with Nicholas. The sheriff turns around and says. Dr. Dare, and Dr. Dare says, Constable Hamlin, and Hamlin says, once again, please allow me to express my sorrow at the death of uh, Mr. Whitaker there. I am truly sorry for your loss, and Dr. Dare says, thank you, sir, that's quite kind. Any luck, any news? He says, we have not found the girl yet, although I fear we must steal ourselves for the worst. That's what we're doing here. In the meantime, Lorraine is over next to the men. One of the men throwing a rope out, notices her out of the corner of his eye, keeps doing his work, and says, Afternoon, Missy. Keep being called Missy. Afternoon, sir. What are you guys doing here? Well, we're dredging for the girl, aren't we? Why are you only dredging in this one spot? Well, this is where a body fallen in the river is most likely going to get caught. Her daddy Does that was happen out, often? His daddy was pulled out there just down yonder. And uh, he says, well, I think there was another corpse that got pulled out of here maybe a dozen years ago. We haven't had any weird deaths since uh, Tommy Rogers last year. What happened to Tommy Rogers? I was jumping around in a hayloft and managed to impale himself on a carelessly laying pitchfork, the idiot. Mm. Well, uh, that is quite the image. So, quite the cautionary tale for the kids. Don't be a I... jackass and jump around in a hayloft when you don't know where the pitchforks are. <laughs> yes, sir. But here are so... some city folk come out here, get themselves drowned, and now we got to try and find. Sheriff says we got to find the body for the family. Are I mean, so certainly you're... I understand if I were that poor girl's parents, I'd want, well, her dad's gone, I guess, but I'm I'm thinking her poor mom might want a body to bury. Unfortunately, I... she doesn't have a mother either. Yep. We've searched as far as the Pelton farmstead at the gorge, but can't go any further than that because the stream narrows. Edith's body might be in the ravine past that, wedged between some rocks, and if that's the case, unlikely we're ever going to find her. And why is that? Why can't you go past Pelton Farm? We can go past Pelton Farm all we want. I wouldn't go on the farm. That guy's a piece of work. 
But uh, if you go to the ravine past the farm, it's a ravine. Her body's going to be wedged between some rocks down in, in, in the river in the gorge. Even if you throw in a, a hook like this, you're not going to pull it out. You just pull chunks out of the body. That seems more disrespectful than trying to get it. That's a fair point. I appreciate your respectfulness for Edith. Then one of the so other guys yell, Is there any hey, possibility? Hamblin, I think... think we got something over here. What's <gasps> on the hook, Troy? He's pulling, 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 and they're like, Well, Troy, you found yourself a fine log. And all the men <laughs> laugh, pat him on the back, tells him, Oh, you can all go to hell. You can all suck eggs. I'm out here in this heat working to find this girl. I don't even know her. None of us do. And they all kind of grumble a little and then settle back down. I ask him, so Sheriff, in your professional opinion, what do you think caused the the death of Mr. Whitaker? Well, I, you know, I can show you a copy of the coroner's report. It, uh, it shows you that he uh, most likely fell in the water, bumped his head, and then uh, got all these cuts and contusions and bleeding from being pulled down the river to this here pool. It's not unusual. You fall in the river and uh, your body just gets banged and beaten up on rocks. We've seen it before. Here's the thing. Poor guy fell in. Daughter probably has too. Each hour that we don't find her leaves less hope that she's alive. These guys and my deputies have been combing the riverbanks for her since yesterday evening, but we're going to halt the search soon. They have to return to their families. We've been working hard here and we're just not finding her. And what do you think about, we've heard some rumors that this might be the cause of some type of wild creature. Uh, the constable looks at Darren and says, yeah, you floated those ideas when you were here, sir. I got to tell you. Both the coroner and I agree. This part of Tiger Country, thank God, or Tiger County, rather, thank God, is not the sort of place where anything ever happens. Look, the strangest things I've ever had to deal with, drunkenness and brawling on a Saturday evening, sometimes petty thefts, juvenile franks, some of the local kids, pelting girls, throwing rocks at windows, and I got to go out and talk to their pappy again. But let me tell you, there's nothing unusual here. There's nothing mm -hmm. strange, and there certainly isn't a big dog eating people out on a walk. So you think... This is just a tragedy. A guy fell in a river. I'd heard anything about a dog before. And Dara's like, no, I'm the one who told you. I thought it was a big dog. Oh, my bad. I must not have been listening. Can All I right. ask the men that I'm talking to a similar question? Like, yeah, so what do you guys think killed this man? Well, here's the thing, Missy. When a man falls in the water, he drowns. And the men all chuckle lowly. And then when the river takes his body, bangs into rocks and branches. You just saw the log that, log that Troy here pulled out. I mean, that can do some damage to a body floating past it. You know, it's Troy fair. just did us a service by pulling it out of the river. So the next body that we pull out, and they're like, hey, 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 come on, man, too soon. And Troy's like, guys, go suck eggs. Come on. They're like, look, well, he fell in think? the river. He drowned. His body got banged up. I was here when they pulled it out. The body was horribly torn, grotesquely bloated. I hope I never see anything like that again. They're like, yeah, it's almost as bad as Tommy Roberts. That idiot. Okay. Well, so we've had two nasty bodies in the past two years. Yeah, there's a monster all around. Look, city folk, we're not all rubes living out in the country, seeing haints everywhere. It's a tragedy. Man fell in the water and drowned. I got a sixth grade education, don't I? Yes, sir. I'm not discrediting that. But I do want to ask, do you think that Jocko or the Peltons are capable of the type of violence that would be required to harm a human being to the point of possibly killing them? Jocko's bark is worse than his bite. That guy just makes a lot of noise. Give him a kick. He'll move on. 
Hell, my 10-year-old threw a rock at him and he didn't, you know, stayed away for a week. Jocko's okay. no threat. Pelton girls, nasty as a pair of polecats tied in a sack. But all they do is throw rocks and curse. You know what? Yeah, throwing rocks and cursing were getting you in trouble. We're causing you to kill people. Then every 12-year-old in this town would be in prison for manslaughter. Fair That's enough. fair. What about the Pelton father? Rafe? Yeah. Well, frankly, between you, me, these guys, and the lamppost and the bridge and that log that Troy dug up over there, go suck eggs! <laughs> Rafe is an a-hole, but he's no danger. He's out there at that farm with his two little girls. Poor wife died. Not a fan of his, but he's harmless. Right. What about Jack? What about him? Hey, that, that poor guy, he went off to the Great War. He left here a football hero, and he came back a hollow man with the shell shock. Sometimes the guy still thinks he's in the trenches. When that happens, we just try to calm him down. You know, he sleeps in the barn sometimes. He's fine. Do you think he's capable of harming anybody if he thinks he's in the trenches? Jack can't harm a ham steak. You have to cut up his food for him before he can eat it. That guy's fine. Don't worry about him. Do I believe them? Like, can I do what they're saying is true? Can I tell? From what you can tell on a lifetime of interviewing people as a hard-hitting, controversial journalist, they clearly all believe what they're saying. Okay. Unless okay. the whole town is some kind of cult. Uh. Ooh. I walk away from the sheriff. I walk back to Lorraine and tell her, I think we're reaching a dead end here. I think we got about as much information as we can. We should head back on to the uh, Pelton farm or around that area. Yeah, mm -hmm. I think so too. They The men indicated to me that the body might be in the ravine past the Pelton farm. And if we make it up to there, and I've been assured by the men that the Pelton family is in some ways harmless. They may throw rocks and curse at us, but they're not going to try to kill us. So I, I would say it's worth it to go through the Pelton farm and go to the ravine and see if we can at least find a body and close that part of the door. <clears throat> All right. So what are we doing? I say we head on over to the Pelton farm, try and track, well, we'll track it and retrace the steps of Mr. Whitaker. Mm -hmm. All right. As you as you start heading up in the hills that narrow ominously, a mile beyond the searchers, the road starts going uphill in a series of switchbacks and continues, but the water gap slices through the neighboring ridge to the south. There's a dark and dangerous gorge that you can see ahead of you. But before that, right on the ridge line, is the ramshackle Pelton farm. Farm has still worked. It's clear that there are people who are growing things there, but you notice there are no animals, but there are people working the farm. That okay. is very peculiar. So you're saying, are there just crops growing or are there pens where animals used to be? There are pens where animals used to be, but there are no rock, there are no animals there, but there are people working the crops. You can That's notice odd. at least two men who are sort of out in the fields. I mean, I, I think we should still be looking for, for Mr. Pelton, just to, he, he'll be our main source of information, I think. I so agree. I'm assuming that we can just walk up to the farm. There's a, probably like a main house, correct? There is. You're not going to talk to the people in the field? I, I want to go uh, talk to one of the people in the field. Nick, do you want to go to the main house? Yeah, I'll take I'll Dr. Dare with me, though, because I assume these men have, like, tools. And if they're really unhappy to see me, I at least want manpower there with me. Okay. So you and Dr. Dare are going to the men in the field. 
and Nicholas is checking out the farm. So let's go to the field first. Who do you approach? Uh, do you have a description of the two men? One is tall, dressed very farmer-like, and he is setting up a scarecrow. The other one is at the further distant field, uh, and he appears to be weeding. Okay, I'll just approach the closer tall one and first introduce myself and say, hello, I'm Lorraine. I'm here learning more about what happened to the Whitakers. Don't quite know who the Whitakers are, Missy. Well, do you mind if I ask you a couple questions about events maybe that have happened in this area in the past? Uh, if you and this gentleman here can help me get this scarecrow up, damn crows will be all over this corn come August. Yes, sir. I don't mind at all. So I'm Dr. helping says, him. I kind of mind. <laughs> Dr. Dare is more than maker. happy to help. <laughs> what can I do for you, Missy? Doctor? So what I'm, I am curious, what happened to all the animals here? Pelton doesn't keep animals. Why not? I don't know. You'll have to ask him. All right. Well, add that to my list of questions. Next question. So are you a member of the Pelton family? I thought you said that was your list of your questions. No, that's not the list. It's I just have a, a couple of general questions. I'm just what? funning you. The name is Skaggs. I rent this land from Belden. From Belden. He doesn't want to work it. He gets a government check every month or something. Hmm. So he leases out his farmland to me and and to Brad over there. We work it. We take the fruits of our labor. It uh, you... helps to supplement uh, our town. You know, we have our own farms on the other side of the gap. This just gets me a little more money. All right. That's totally fair. I respect the hustle. Have you ever noticed anything strange with the Pelton family? Ah, oh, the girls are pieces of work. That seems to be a theme. Yeah. Well, their mama died giving birth to them, and the two of them are like little feral cats just running around doing stuff. Otherwise, they live in the farmhouse. Like once a month, he takes his daughters into town into well actually into the city they get on the train every uh every month i think he does that to make up for their mother you know takes them to baltimore or washington or something once so a month little girls don't go to what school she... but he's certainly given them an education by showing them the big city you know you city folk must appreciate that oh yeah we we do i'm curious uh how long are they up there and what do they typically do when they go on those trips no oh, they usually come back before the weekend's over it's not like I'm keeping track on them coming and going, okay? Yeah. I just know that he takes them on trips because I don't see them on the weekends one weekend a month. One weekend a month. Interesting. I really appreciate you taking the time. And you said you don't know anything about what happened with the Whitakers. I'm, it's been news all over town. Don't go into town. Work this, work this land. Work my own farm. Wife goes into a uh, shop at the store. She also goes into uh, that new Presbyterian church. I don't go much for the church and thing. Why not? Oh, all those God folks just want your money. Can't promise you anything except in an afterlife that we don't even know if it is. I work my land. I keep to myself. I don't need no church and fella telling me to what to do with my money. That is My poppy didn't hold fair. no traffic with him and neither do I. <laughs> you read the good book, you're good on your own. Ain't that what that Martin Luther fella said? Read it on your own and figure it out. All right. Yeah, that's totally fair, dude. Um, I really appreciate your time and I am going to head toward where Nick is. So that way I could fill him in. Excellent. In the meantime, Nick has approached the farm. It consists of well-kept fields. There's a farmhouse, some kind of woodshed, 
and a mostly collapsed barn. They're surrounded by fences, and then fences surround the larger farm itself, the fields that the other people are working. I approach the uh, what would probably appear to be the main house um, okay. uh, and knock on the front door. Nobody answers. Nobody answers. Okay. I check around the back. Is the You mentioned there's a woodshed. Uh, is there that is. towards the back? The woodshed and the collapsed barn are both behind the main house. You notice as you're knocking on the front door, there's an outhouse right to the side of the door. Uh, so that's the fourth building. And then the collapsed barn is surrounded by uh, blackberry bushes. All right. I walk towards the uh, the shed and I start yelling for, for Mr. Pelton. Just yelling, uh, excuse me, is there a Mil Mr. Pelton here? And you're doing that to the woodshed? Uh, yeah. No uh, response. No response? Okay. I head towards the collapsed barn then. Okay. I yell out again for, for Mr. Pelton. You don't, there's no response. Okay, then I investigate the barn. I approach it closer so I can get a better look. Okay. The front, the what would have been the front door of the barn is still there, although the barn itself is in sort of weird collapsed state, obviously. Yeah, rolling the dice is a sign of nothing. Think nothing of this. As you sort of look around in the limited area that you can stand in the collapsed barn, you find a few human bones strewn about. And Okay. A few human bones. I pick them up to get a closer look at them. Um, they have teeth marks on them. Interesting. Okay. Let's see. I take the bones, and I'm assuming I'm wearing a jacket, right? I guess I'll just slide it into my inner jacket pocket or something. You're sliding a human femur and all yeah. the fingers into your inner jacket pocket. Why not? I'm not afraid to get a little dirty, you know? And why are we taking the bones? So I can bring them back. Oh, you know, maybe I didn't think this through. If you have me come over there, I have a trench coat. Ooh. It's already yeah, hiding but... a sawn-off shotgun. Yeah. Nick okay. doesn't know that. <laughs> I immediately question myself, like, why Why are you... Why do you want to take these bones, Nick? And I just take it out of my pocket and I just go, huh, okay. Interesting. Just, so the only thing I can clearly tell about the bones you said is uh, the teeth marks. These are okay. human bones and there are teeth marks on them. Beyond that... Actually, if um, Lorraine and Dr. Dare are joining you, you can ask Dr. Jare to identify Dr. Dare to identify more about them. Okay. Well, as I hear, I heard Lorraine uh, say that she's approaching, so I wait for her, and uh, then I point out the bones to her, Dr. Dare. Dr. Dare picks them up, says this is a human femur, human ulna. These look like metatarsals or metacarpals. Metatarsals, that's what they are. Yeah, these are human bite marks. Humans? How, how fresh are these bones? Can you tell? You know, they're, they're not fossils. They've probably been uh, sometime in the past few months. Dr. Deere, you said that these are a few months old? Some of these are human teeth marks, but these bones have... Well, I'm no coroner, but I think the, the bite radius is the same as whatever killed Whitaker. And any chance you can identify so, the, the gender of the body just by looking at the femur at all? No. Okay, so that's interesting. We should probably look around some of the other buildings. Uh, I can't seem to find Mr. Pelton at all. 
Doctor, do you know if he might be out right now? Did you knock on the door of the house? Yes. Did you try the outhouse? I did not try the outhouse. Well, uh, if not I... either of those, I would guess he's out. Mm -hmm. I guess let's try walking by the outhouse then. Uh, I, I, is there a back door to the main house? Like, there or is. a window open? I'm going to go the back door. door of the main house. Okay. So there's no one in the outhouse. It just smells really bad. Lorraine has opened up the back door and sees three dirty beds unmade, a fireplace, clothes are piled everywhere, men's and women. There's an upright wardrobe with the doors closed. Mm. Upright wardrobe? Yeah. Like uh, it's facing vertical? How big is it? It's a small closet. I'm going to open it. <laughs> Good. Inside, there are a number of clean, respectable clothes, both a uh, larger man and what seem like dresses for two younger women hanging in there, well-preserved. And they're clean? Like, yep. well-pressed? fancy clothes. Yep. Interesting. Considering that you've described the girls in shambles, I have this crazy idea that I want to relay to Nick and uh, Nicholas and Dr. Dare. Is there any possibility that the bones are Mr. Pelton's? When's the last time anybody has seen him? Dare's like, I've never seen the man. Where? No, I heard about the girls the last time I was here because everybody knows about them, but that's pretty much it. Are the girls here right now? Maybe we could at least try to interact last with them. Last time you saw the girls, they were in town making trouble, and you did not pass them on the way up here, and they did not pass you on the way up here. It's a straight shot, so unless they took a long way around, either they're in the front room of the house being quiet, or they're not in the house itself. Okay. I'm going to quietly go into the front room without causing trouble. So you pass through, you open the door from the bedroom to the front room. Mm -hmm. uh, the front room contains a table, four chairs, a fireplace, cooking utensils, and there is a small shelf with a number of books. Alright, what's their reading material? All of the books are either about wolves or werewolves. The book is called Monsters and Their Kind, and it's written in Middle English. Uh, Les Loups Horrifiques in French. There's a history of wolves in Appalachia. I think, guys, we found a connection. Hmm. Well, I'm still outside the house, so I tell Dr. Dare to wait here for Lorraine uh, in case uh, she finds anything. And I go walk out to one of the people working the land. Okay. To one. ask my own question. Um. Go Let's the further see. one, not the scarecrow one. Because okay, I talked go... to the scarecrow one. I know that Lorraine talked to the scarecrow guy already, so I go to the other one. Okay. Um, he uh, wipes his brow, takes off his hat, and slaps the dust out of it, and looks at you and says, Why are you all going through Pelton's house, stranger? Uh, I stick out my hand and shake it firmly. I go, Hello, my name is Professor Nicholas. He doesn't take your hand. Oh, he doesn't take my hand? Okay, then I put it back. Do you city folk ordinarily go into other people's property when they're not home? I look at him and I go, investigating right now. And we find it a little weird that uh, Mr. Pelton seems to be out. We're working with the, with the sheriff right now. And can't leave his own house to run errands and do stuff? Not in this situation, no. What situation is that, sir? I believe you've heard of the, uh, the recent murder and the disappearance. Of, uh, I don't know nothing Whitaker's. about a murder, just know two people fell off a bridge and drowned. And that gives mm -hmm. you cause to walk into another man's house? 
yes, in, th in this situation. And what is this situation, sir? Well, that's what we're trying to figure out. And we're hoping that... Uh, and who might be we? Well, um, we are... <laughs> <laughs> let's see sorry fast talking is not one of my better skills um we are uh a couple of advisors uh you know what i will try for persuasion all right roll what do you got 44 what are you trying to persuade him i persuade him that we're the good guys that may be friend but what do you need we just need to know how long has it been since anyone's seen Mr. Pelton. He was here this morning. All Probably right. be back in an hour or two if you want to wait for him, but I'd recommend you wait outside. No, I, I have no I have no further questions for him. I just uh, thank him and I wish him a good rest of his day. And I walk back towards the uh, the main house. Rafer won't like it if you're uh, anywhere in his house or around his property when he gets back. You folks may want to move on. While I'm in there, while he's talking, can I briefly flip through the books and see if there's any, like, names written in there? Like, who owns these books? I know they're Pelton books, but I'm curious who specifically has this fascination. Cool. You flip through them, and please give me a sanity roll. Oh, no! Oh, no! Is that the percentage Yeah, percentile again? die. You need to okay. score your sanity or lower. Ah, beans. Okay, I can I can do this. I did it. Okay, Yay. 30%, so my current is 60, and I yep. rolled lower. Good. You, uh, the books have horrifying images, woke block prints, you catch phrases that talk about atrocities of wolves eating things, um, but there are no names in them. The imagery is profoundly disturbing to you, but you keep your sanity. Okay. Since these books are so powerful, I'm not going to take any of them with me. That was my original plan. <laughs> so, all right, I'm going to exit the house the way that I came in, making sure okay. that I'm not leaving, like closing the wardrobe and all that, making sure the books are the same way I left them. And I'm going to meet Nick out at the back of the house. Okay. Nick, okay. these these people, I think, are connected to the Whitaker thing. They are obsessed with werewolves. They have a whole book collection on wolves and werewolves. Uh, Lorraine, did you happen to get any get anything interesting that you were able to take out of the house? I did not take any of the books. The, they have horrifying, gruesome images in them. Okay. Well, then we should probably get going quickly before Mr. Pellin gets back. Uh, judging from my conversation with one of the uh, workers out there, uh, we might be... They already know that we've been uh, trespassing in his property, so... Might Let's not go take past, too to uh, us. toward the ravine. Might as well right. while we're here. So, all right. you continue walking up the gorge past the farm. The ravine is has a deafening roar. There is a tentative animal trail that follows along the gorge. What is your marching order? Nick, do you have a good, like, climbing or any sort of athletics-type skill? I have a decent, like, jumping and climbing skill, so I can lead if... I only have the base values for climbing and jumping. Um, in terms of just, uh, if you're talking, like, size and power, I mean, I got 50s on that. 
assuming that this is a place oh, to be and pretty 70 on strength. Oh, okay. I have a 40 on strength, so I think you should lead. I'll be in the middle and Dare will be behind us. Okay. Okay. And I, I'm gonna tell Dare, I was like, I know you say that there are other things you think it could be and you're not telling us. So we are pursuing that thing that you are refusing to tell us what you think it is. So as you enter the gorge, which is semi-dark because the sunlight does not reach the bottom of the ravine and which is very loud with the flow of water. You see up ahead of you, standing at the top of the ravine, looking down at you, a wolf-like man holding a young woman tied up in ropes, screaming and crying, and he puts a claw to her throat and then laughs and still carrying her, jumps down and runs ahead in the gorge. Okay, I, oh, let's boy. go. Wait. I need a sanity check from everyone, please. All right. That's the percent percentiles again. 20% baby, I am fine. They looked scarier oh, in the books. I got 83%. <laughs> All right, so this site costs you, you lose three points of sanity from this horrific site. Your oh sanity is now 47. Okay. 47 it is. It gestures for you to follow. I'm going to follow. But I, I have go. I have my shotgun ready. I, I'm going to whip out my gun <laughs> out of my trench coat. I look over at Lorraine. I'm like, are you sure you just want to go blindly into this situation right now? What other choice do we have? This girl could die. I just don't know. Something. Uh, do we even know what we just saw? I believe what we saw was real. We need to pursue this. What did you see? I, I saw a wolf-like man. Okay, I just want to make sure we saw the same thing. Okay. All right. Well. Oh, and because of the failed sanity check, that means Nicholas is shaking and freaking out and can't actually mm -hmm. think straight at the moment. Dare not only passes a sanity check, he says, well, that would explain the bite marks. Okay. Dang right. And no one's shocked that I whip out this shotgun. I'm like, just ready, like. No, he already knew you had the into his pocket and pulls out a Smith and Wesson. And I reach <laughs> nice. into my pocket then. I grab my brass knuckle. And wait, to be clear, we only, I only had the one knuckle, right? Not two? Right. Okay. Okay. Slide it onto my right hand and go, okay, well, I guess you better. Check this out then. All right. As you continue to move forward, you finally come to a break. The ravine opens out after about a mile into a, a low open area that has about six trees growing into it. And the tree right in the center, the young girl you saw in the wolf's claws, presumably Edith, is tied to the tree. The wolf is not visible anywhere. Okay. Wait, so um, you said the girl is tied down to the middle tree? Yes. Okay. This feels okay. like a trap. Like, the obvious answer is to free her. Well, I don't think we have much of a choice in the matter. We can either... I mean, we can see the girl clearly. The right thing to do would be to free her. Yeah. Um, otherwise, we're just going to be wandering around. Yarp. Yeah. Oh, Let's yeah. Let's free her. Let's go ahead. 
Um, I approach the middle tree where she's tied up. Well, first, actually, I look over at Dr. Dare and I say, make sure you watch my back. <laughs> and I uh, look over at Lorraine, too, and I, say, I tell her to do the same thing. So then, like I said, I approach the middle tree. I, I go up to her and I ask her, excuse me, miss, miss, are you, are you okay? Are you awake? And just then, tearing out from under one of the other trees is the beast. Oh, Coming straight for you. Can I fire at him? How close am I? Am I within a 10 yard range that I can do some pew pew? You are, but the beast is in between you and him. So if you miss the beast, you're gonna, you might hit him. Oh. The dice speaks all. Two things happen at once. Dare shoots the beast, but <laughs> the beast uh, has been shot in the leg and it manages to clamp its jaws onto Nicholas. Where exactly does it clamp its jaws onto? Your shoulder. Oh no. For five points of damage. What's your hit points? 11. So you are now down to six and you've got this werewolf sort of clawing into your shoulder. I'm, I'm gonna shoot for the werewolf at this point. They're together, but. Okay, fire. You better not kill me. If I kill you, it'll live in infamy. I got a, let's see, 19% and my percentage is 45 for my regular. And what's the damage at that range? The damage at that range is a 4d6. So, roll 4d6. Oh, yeah. All right. Uh, four plus, I should probably write these down. Three, four, 14. Cool. Between the doctor and your shotgun, the beast drops to the ground, but the pellets give another three points of damage to, sadly, Nicholas. Oh, no. <laughs> but you killed a werewolf, so that's pretty cool. That is cool. So he's dead. He nearly he's killed dead me dead. in the process. Well, as you're standing there, you're like, oh, and you see the bullet holes start closing up again. <gasps> and the bullets start being pushed out. Oh, crap. And Dare looks at you and says, want another silver? No. I did, did, were your silver? You planned ahead? So he reaches into his pocket, pulls out a small scalpel. He's a doctor, after all, and says, this might make the difference, and slits the wolf's throat with his silver scalpel. Oh, that was sick. And did he the, kill oh, it? That did the trick. <sighs> As the three of you are standing there, two smaller wolves jump out of the tree above you. One drops on Nicholas and the other drops on Dr. Dare. Oh, beans. Okay, I'm going to reload my okay. shotgun. Um, I'll take you a turn. In the meantime, the little werewolf on Nicholas has uh, tried to claw and bite him and misses. Okay. And the um, one on Dare misses as well. Okay. These are Pelton girls. I make an attempt to grab the little wolf off of me and throw it. Ah, a grapple. Excellent. You try to grab her and throw her off, and all you do is succeed in doing is pulling her around to the front of you. Oh, Nick! <laughs> 
That's fair. I I was gonna shoot it off of you, but I can't now, unless I'm gonna I'm gonna kill you in the process if I do that. Okay. Oh, I have my brass knuckle on. I know it's made of brass, but is there any chance I could use luck? And it, it turns out that it actually has silver in it this entire time. No, <laughs> it's brass knuckles. Okay. But hang on, um, we're about to get even more interesting. Oh no. So the other werewolf jumps back on Dr. Dare and tears out his throat. Oh no. Oh, I'm gonna take his scalpel and his gun. Okay. Um, but I can I use my turn to shoot something? Yeah, you, you have now grabbed the scalpel and the gun. The werewolf that has just killed Doctor is now ignoring the two of you while she feasts on him. Ooh. I'm gonna go right up behind it and slit its throat with a scalpel. Roll, uh, roll your percentile die, please. Because she's distracted, you're gonna get a plus 10% base chance. So you have a 45% uh, chance of being able to, to, to get her with this. Okay. 45 or under. Oh, crap. That was a 98. You not Almost a critical missile. fail. Uh, oh. Luck is with you, however, as she's no longer distracted and snaps at your wrist holding the scalpel, but she misses too. So now the two of you are squaring off while Nicholas is facing the werewolf that is now clinging to the front of his body. It attempts once again to bite Nicholas, and he manages to dodge it. Oh, thank goodness. Okay. Well, Nick, you, do you want me to toss you a gun or something? You need a pew pew? <laughs> I'm not sure it's going to help as Still much. Still swing with the, with the brass knuckles. Yeah, That's so I true. might as well. I'm going to go for a nice, clean punch right across the face. Swing. I swing, roll in here, 70. Yeah, 70. So oh. it's 70 and you roll to 70. Yep. Roll for damage. Yeah! Nick! Okay. I can't believe Dr. Dare just got his throat ripped out. We We haven't had a chance to process that. But let's keep up. Seven. Seven? Yep. Okay. The brass knuckles crack the werewolf's jaw and it lets go of you. Woo! That's adrenaline rush. But now those claws are out and it's looking to come back for some. It shakes off the damage and it's about to leap. So everyone has a six sided die. Please roll. Werewolves have the initiative. Oh, crap. Bites for Nicholas misses, bites for Lorraine and misses. Unfortunately, okay. inexperienced werewolves. <laughs> Nick, are you going to swing again with the brass knuckles, close distance and punch, or... Well... Pick up a stick and try and hit it to keep a distance? Uh, okay. Kai, or, Lorraine, you, you have the scalpel still, right? Yeah, I have a scalpel and two guns. I want to ask one other thing regarding luck here. Um, so, one thing I mentioned in my background is that is my is my Christianity as a character, specifically since me Catholicism. What do I have luck that I have a rosary in my pocket right now? <laughs> if you're Catholic at this point in history, you probably do, but it's not a vampire. I know. What if it's a, a rosary with silver on it? You know, just in case. Oh, roll luck. Good job, Nick. Okay, sixty-nine. My luck is seventy-five. So, it turns out that the little crucifix at the end of your rosary is silver. All right. 
I just I wrap it onto the same fist that's got my brass knuckle on it. So that way the, the crucifix is right there on the knuckle. <laughs> and roll. All right. Rolling. It's 31. That's a hit. Roll for damage. Three. And an extra two for the, uh, the silver cross. Uh, and you already have broken her jaw. So she drops to the ground and is not moving. I immediately do like a little like a uh, kick shuffle back and forth and I go, that's how we do it on the streets. In the meantime, Lorraine, what are you doing to your werewolf? So I'm going to use the, the other gun, the one that has silver bullets at this point. Mm -hmm. um, and I'm going to attempt to shoot it okay. in the face. Got a 25% chance of hitting at this range. Actually, you know what? I'm going to just use my shotgun because at least if I can slow it down, then I can get in there with a scalpel. My okay. score is higher with the shotgun, so... Shotgun. And that is a hit. 33%. 4 to 6? Yep. 4 to 6. That is 12. Alright. And she is down, but not out. That okay. That her away. And there's a lot of wounds there, and she's bleeding. But then the wounds start closing up again. Can I go in with the scalpel and just, like, finish her off? Roll for that knife attack. This is the second time you've tried to do this. She knows it's silver. Ah, beans. You know what? J JK. JK, as, they, as the kids say. That really didn't work well last time, did it? So I'm just going to do the pick up the silver gun and do that no, instead. Got 35%. Oh, okay. Pick up the silver gun. Wait, my percentage is higher with the knife? Yeah, than the... it's, oh, it's yeah. wounded and you're close, so you got 35% chance okay. of Okay, just kidding. I'm going to do the scalpel. Sorry, I'm very into... That's a 92%. You missed. Yeah. Oh, I'm, like, down on the ground trying to get her head, and she won't stop moving. And she snaps at you, but misses. Oh, jeez Louise. Okay. Um, I'm going to yell at Nick. I need help finishing off this one. Um, but I am going to try yell, to... I yell back to Lorraine. I'm a little busy trying to beat up this little girl. <laughs> I'm going to use the silver gun this time. I know it's a 25% chance, but I've not been doing good otherwise. All right, um, the close. It's 35. Throw it. 35. All right. 30. Oh. 31%! All right. The silver bullet enters the werewolf, ending her life. She drops to the ground and immediately begins to revert to her human form, and it's one of the girls from town, obviously. Unfortunately, the one uh, that Nicholas uh, hit with the brass knuckle, yeah, the silver did damage, but it's not in the wolf's body, so she's regenerating the other damage and jumps on your back, but misses the bite. Okay, she's on my back. Oh, boy. Okay, I'm going to make another attempt to throw her then. Okay. Percentile okay. checking. And you manage to throw her. Perfect. Okay. I will rush up to her at that point um, while she's still recovering from being thrown, and I'll go for a nice clean uppercut. Okay. So it misses. And she snaps at you and misses. Okay. Um, I'm going to use the gun with the silver bullet 
and try to shoot the other I'm werewolf. Approaching. Uh, are you going for point blank range, or are you going to try and keep some distance? I'm going to go for point blank. All right, thirty-five. Are you, are you going to go for the kill? I'm going to. I'm trying to help. I don't want you to die. We I know, have to what, kill what, you what, after you, this. You've already fired this gun four times, so you've got one bullet left. I mean, right. we could. I mean, if she doesn't die, we could question her. No, I'd rather just kill her. Okay, okay. Well, that's a bummer. With my last silver bullet, I miss. Because Nick got in my head, I got a 77%. Well, here's the oh. good news. She snaps at you and misses. <gasps> well, that's good. Nick, uh, let's kill her. I don't think she's worth questioning. She's a werewolf. She's not going to be able to comprehend. Okay, in that case... I mean, obviously, I'm gonna go use my uh, my my brass knuckles here with the with the rosary. I'm just wondering, should I just like punch her in the face again, or yeah. what would happen if I just like drove my knuckle with the, with the crucifix on it, like basically pressing her into the ground? Would the would the silver just do some type of like burning damage on her or something? Probably. Or... Gonna try and push her to the ground with the thing? No, I'm gonna go for another punch. Okay. Roll for sense, I'll die. Thirty. 31. Nice. Roll for damage. Five. Nice. So you're you're just punching into her with it? Yep. Okay. Right across the face again. Wonderful. Uh, it hits her. She takes those five points of damage, and then she grabs onto your arm with the brass knuckles with her jaws and crushes oh. it for three points of damage. Oh, no. That's it. I'm Nick, are, you're dead? That's, that's all my hit points. So he collapses unconscious with the dying on top of the dying werewolf. I'm gonna I'm close enough at this point. Um, I'm gonna use the scalpel one more time, hopefully yep. one last time, and slit its throat and get the girl and Nick to safety. Oh god, okay, that's not good. I got 41 for my when I'm supposed to be getting 35. Well, in this case, are you, like, literally walking up, putting the scalpel against it? Yeah. I'm just going to say you managed to slit her throat because he still has the, the, the rosary in his hand and you can press the silver into her. And she begins to revert to her human form. But he is lying, dying of his wounds on the ground. No! Unconscious. I have, um, I have first aid. Uh, I have a good score in that. Uh, the doctor aid. had a first aid kit and he died. Is there anything on his, like, any medical supplies I can use? While you start searching his body for first aid equipment, you begin to notice that Nicholas's wounds are starting to close up. Oh, sh I look at I look at Lorraine and go, haven't you read anything about werewolves before? Don't you know the lore? <laughs> Hurry. Nick. Get the girl and get out of here. Nick, I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm so sorry, Nick. I use the scalpel, I cut her free, I tell her to run. She um, doesn't run, she just falls to the ground. Oh, she's catatonic. That's unfortunate. Yeah. yeah. I'm going to drag the bodies into the ravine. Wait, no, no, no. I need to finish off Nick first. I'm sorry, Nick. It's the only way. Okay. <laughs> I put, I take the rosary. I put it on myself. And you, I, I'm, I'm going to, I come up to you and I hold your hand and say, it's a pleasure working with you. May God be with you. And you as well. And I slice your throat. Yeah. So... Nick's body, along with those of the wolves, are tossed into the ravine where they will be lost forever. You, blood-stained, 
pick up this catatonic girl and begin the five mile walk back into town. Having the, the good sense to reach into Dare's pocket and pull out his first class ticket back to Washington. But you will have a lot of explaining to do once you reach the State Department. The girl has been rescued, so I need you to make uh, one first make a sanity roll. Okay. Oh, geez. Um, I got a 76, and my normal sanity is uh, 60. The bad news is you lose three points of sanity from everything you just saw, the horrors of having to kill your friend. However, the good news is because you rescued the girl, you gain one point back. So you lose a total of two points of sanity. All right, I can live with so that. You're from, you're now down to 58. At least you get to live. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Nicholas will be in my heart. This is actually fairly standard Call of Cthulhu. Unlike D&D, <laughs> where you're like, we'll gain levels and become like gods. Call of Cthulhu is how many investigators will make it to the end? It's got a much higher fatality rate. People tend to die quite a bit in this yeah. game. I can understand fact, why. So we, right. I survived the werewolf? You survived the werewolves and didn't become a werewolf yourself. And uh, there is one more reward for your character. I forgot. <gasps> Yay! Well, you bring her back and you explain to um, Worthington, well, Nicholas and Dr. Dare are dead, but mm -hmm. the girl was kidnapped by a group of werewolves. And uh, Worthington is like, that's total BS. But she's catatonic and problematic. And Wilmington goes, look, you can never write about this. You can never tell anyone. Not a future husband, not your mom, not your best friend, not a priest. No, nothing. You keep this quiet and there will be rewards for you. And the first thing he does is he gives you investment information and Ooh. gives you $5,000 and says, invest this $5,000 in these investments. I cannot pay you directly for what you've done, but trust me. And within a year, those $5,000 investments pay you back 25000 Oh my goodness, insider trading. Exactly, which is a lot of money back now. I told you it's Washington, D.C. He also says, you are welcome to stay. Anytime you are uh, in trouble, you are welcome to come to my home and you may stay here. We'll feed you. Clive will take care of you. Know that you always have a place of shelter here. Thank you for helping. I'm going to be honest. Thank you. My goddaughter. That's the other reason why I wanted her rescued. She's my goddaughter and now I'm going to have to take Aww. care of her, but she's going to be in a sanitarium probably for a long, 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 long time because, you know. Well, I'll we... make sure I come visit Edith every time I'm in town. You live in Washington. You can visit her any, anytime you want. Yeah, I don't know if I want to go to the sanitarium like every day. Oh, I'll come and enough. visit her like once a week. Fair enough. And that, my friends, concludes our Cthulhu werewolf adventure that had actually nothing Lovecraftian about it, but we played by Lovecraft rules. Oh my gosh. Well, thank you so much, Kevin. I know you have to get going, but thank you, you for joining us on this very chaotic adventure. I my am pleasure. so excited. I got to be the final girl when you DM'd. I'm geeking <laughs> out a little bit. Oh, that's awesome. Well, you, you played well. And again, the problem is with this adventure, it's a lot of investigating, <laughs> several suspects, and then you get attacked not by one, but by three werewolves. Uh, yep. It even says in the module, investigators who get past this point are probably all going to be dead anyway. I mean, and that's a lot of Call of Cthulhu, you know, adventures is at this point, most of the people will be dead or insane. The few that are still alive can do A, B or C. Most likely that will kill them. But if they get through them, this is what happens. So it's, yeah. it's got a much higher fatality rate than any other role playing game. But it's uh, it's a lot of fun. Any listeners keeping track, this makes my uh, second death in the in the show. So. Kylie still at zero. We'll see if that keeps up. I'll tell you what. Have me back next time. I'll introduce you to Gamma World. Oh, boy. And you can be mutants in the, in the distant future 
who are investigating the ruins of old America and we'll make sure Kylie dies first. <laughs> I like that. that I like that. Plan. Plus you and me we set it definitely... up so it happens on purpose. Indeed. <laughs> we will have you back soon. A well, pleasure. thank you so, so much again. We really appreciate it. Uh, thank you for having me as a guest. This was a lot of fun. Yeah. I really appreciate it. Hello, everyone. Thank you so much for joining us to this very special edition RPG with DM Kevin. Yes, it's coming from your final girl herself. Unfortunately, <laughs> Nick could not say anything from the grave for this one. But make sure to tune in for our future episodes. And remember that you can comment by sharing a film that you want us to review and your character name and if you're a fight, flight, or freeze, and you can be featured as an NPC in a future RPG episode. All right, that's all for now. Bye. Bye, everybody.